to the Lord in our prayer. <clears throat> Glorious Father, Creator God, we worship you. You are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy to be magnified. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dying in our place. Our resurrected Savior, we bow before you. We lift you up this evening. Spirit of God, I pray you will mediate your presence in our midst. As we study the word of God, you will enlighten our hearts. Touch our hearts, O oh Lord. Let it not be a time just to have some mental information. Oh God, I pray whatever we hear, it will touch our hearts, transform our lives. We need you, oh God. We need you. We love you. We bless your name. Thank you for protecting each one of us in this difficult situation. Lord, we owe it to you, oh God. It is because of you we are today alive. And Lord, we are able to join for this Bible study. You bless this time of Bible study. You take all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be introducing the book of Revelation. Uh, this will be a little a longer session. Normally, we would like to have this brief. But this book being a special book, it's important for us to study it uh, rightly. So those of you who, are, who have already studied this book, uh, I would request you to bear with us as we go through a, long, a longer session of introducing the book of Revelation. Now, when we come to this book of Revelation, we observe two kinds of attitudes. Now, one attitude is, it's a difficult book. I cannot study it. So it becomes a closed book for some of us. And for some of us, or some in the church, they almost live only in this book. They, they want to spend all their life focusing everything on this book alone. They want to predict the end times. They want to find out the signs, and they spend all their time uh, studying this book. Uh, both these approaches, uh, both are not good for us. Because this book is a part of our Bible, uh, hence it is God's word for us. Now, it is a difficult book, no doubt about it, uh, but it is not impossible for us to understand the meaning of uh, the message of this book. Now, when John wrote this book, do you think he would have written this book intending that it must be and uh, you know, people should not be able to understand it? No, when John wrote this book, he wanted his readers to understand the message. So if you see, interestingly, the word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis. And if you see the meaning of the Greek word apocalypsis, uh, it mean, it, which means an unveiling. What has been closed, it is now open. It's an uncovering. What has been covered is being uncovered. 
it's a revelation so this book is supposed to reveal something to us this book is not supposed to be a hidden secret for us so the entire purpose of the book is to reveal truth and not to obscure it so the hence we can say not mysterious book that we have to try to resolve something or try to find out something you can we cannot say that this book is incomprehensible it's very difficult to understand because the book begins like this in revelation 1 1 it says the revelation from jesus christ <clears throat> the unveiling from jesus christ the uncovering from jesus christ which god gave gave him to show his servants what must to soon take place he made it known by sending his angel to his servant john but at the same time having said that this book is full of angels and you find trumpets and you find earthquakes and you find beasts and you find dragons and you find bottomless pits so these symbols become a problem for us now there are three kinds of problems we face when we come to the book of revelation first because of the symbols which i just mentioned and the second thing this book deals with future events it it's not only speaking about the second second coming of our lord jesus christ speaking about the end time war it it, it this book has been set up in the first century context this book was not written for 21st century people this book was written for the first century people so we have to grapple with all these three things to understand what's the message of this book now this book contains a very special type of literature which we call call it as apocalyptic literature uh, we will we will study little more about apocalyptic literature because it's important for us to understand the message of this book now the entire bible is a library containing different types of like prose poetry narrative which we call or we can call it as history so there are different type of literature and we have to read each type of literature in a different way now some of us are, we have got used to even mugging up or or memorizing our math maths so study every same way but each book has to be studied according to the time now we will come to the book of psalm a book of poetry now psalm 103:1 bless the lord o my soul all that is within me bless his holy name now this book says oh my soul 
It's basically speaking to my emotions. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I'm telling my own soul. It, it, it affects my emotions. Now, in the book, in the Bible, we also have commands. We call it as imperative. We have commands. We, you know, we, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, which we find in Exodus chapter 20, 13 to 16. Now, this verse does not appeal to my emotions. It appeals to my willpower. It is motivating me. It is instructing me not to do something. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. These are commands. So it is basically, it is speaking to my will, my willpower, my motivation, how I respond to this. I can respond to this positively or negatively, but it responds to my will. Now, we have other type of literature in the Bible. When we come to the book of Romans, now, Romans basically appeals to our intellect. Sometimes people find this book very difficult because we have got used to only hearing stories in the church. So when you preach from the book of Romans, it, 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 only if we start thinking, if we involve our mind, if we try to understand trying to teach us, you know, it is, it is appealing to our mind power. So Romans is a book which appeals to my mind. It's not emotion as such. It is primarily to my willpower. I have to think carefully. When I study the book of Romans, I have to think patiently. I have to grapple with each issue and I have to figure it out. What Paul wants me to understand in and through his writing. Now, when we come to the book of Revelation, it appeals to my imagination. Now, when I say imagination, it does not mean that I can imagine whatever I feel like. It's not talking about a freewheeling imagination. In fact, it is talking about a disciplined imagination. I cannot say this is what this verse says because I think so, I imagine so. No, that's not the way of studying the Bible. We need to have disciplined imagination to understand this book. So as I told you, the book of Revelation is unique because it contains the apocalyptic writing. Now, most of us are familiar with prose, poetry, and narrative, which we, which we can say history. Uh, but we all this prose, that's the poem, we find in the book of Psalms. We, we find narrative, the history books, historical books in the Bible. And we are familiar with these kind of writings. But when it comes to the apocalyptic writings, the Jewish apocalyptic writings, we expose to apocalyptic writing but this 
particular book, Revelation, it contains the genre, the literary type, the apocalyptic literary type. So it is very important for us to understand the apocalyptic writing. Now, from 200 BC to 200 AD, there were, if you see the Jewish history, there were many apocalyptic writings. We have not been exposed to these writings. We have not read them. So we find uh, in the apocalyptic writings, you find many symbols. And the readers of the first century were familiar with many such symbols. For us, those are very strange symbols, but they were familiar with those symbols. And that's the reason they were able to understand the book of Revelation. Now, I want to give you some examples of apocalyptic writing and its similarity in Revelation. Uh, as I told you, the readers, the John, John's time, the disciples, they were all exposed to this apocalyptic writing. They were aware of the symbols. And so when John is using the symbols, it was not something strange. He is able to communicate his message in and through these symbols. Now, let me give you a few examples. Now, we go to uh, third Baruch. Baruch was the assistant of Jeremiah. Many of the apocalyptic writers, they never used their original names. They always used a prophet's name, maybe Abraham, maybe Enoch, maybe Baruch, maybe Ezra. And in those names, in the pseudonymity, they wrote the apocalyptic literature. Now, if you see from 3rd Baruch chapter 11, 8 and 9, it says, And I saw the commander Michael holding an exceedingly great vessel. Its depth was as great as the distance from heaven to earth, and its breadth as great as the distance from north to south. And I said, Lord, what is that which Michael the archangel is holding? And he said to me, this is where the merits of the righteous enter, and such good works as they do, which are escorted before the heavenly God. Now, can you think of similar passages or similar verse in the book of Revelation? Those of us who have read the Revelation, can you find any similarity between this, this apocalyptic writing and the book of Revelation? What comes to your mind? I've already underlined holding an exceedingly great vessel. This is where the merits of the righteous enter. Can you think of some verse which resembles close to this verse? If you go to Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, uh, another angel who had a golden censer. 
A golden censer is basically a closed vessel where they burn the incense. Uh, who had a golden censer, he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Now, th those of you know, the, the readers, John's listeners, or John's audience, they were exposed to <clears throat> the apocalyptic writing. And when they came across this verse, it was not strange to them. When they come across the word golden censer, and when they hear prayers of all God's people, it was not, and with the prayers of God's people. Uh, in the Orthodox Church, they, since they still have the censers, they still burn the incense, and it all symbolizes the prayers of God's uh, people. Now, this is what I gave you. This is an example from Third Baruch. Now, I will touch two or three apocalyptic writings, and I just want to show the similarity between the apocalyptic writings. Why do we say that Revelation is a, a book which contains apocalyptic writing? Now, there is another book which, we, which is known as First Enoch. As I told you, the, the writers, they didn't want to reveal their original names. They always wrote in the name of the prophets who lived long ago. So here is a book known as First Enoch. And if you see 100 and, 100 and verse 3, it says, the horse <coughs> shall walk through the blood of sinners up to his chest, and the chariot shall sink down up to its top. The horse shall walk through the blood of sinners up to his chest, and the chariot shall sink down up to its top. Now, there is a reference in the book of Revelation. Is a reference which is somewhat closer to this. Can you think of any such reference from the book of Revelation? Now, when we come to Revelation chapter 14, verse 20, it says, they were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. Now, when we understand these references and when we try to understand what did it mean when they wrote those, uh, what did it mean when they, from the apocalyptic writing, so we struggle to understand, oh, this is what this verse means. This is how we try to understand the actual meaning. <clears throat> I gave you two examples, one from Baruch and one from Enoch. 
I'll give you two more examples from another apocalyptic writing. <clears throat> the reason why I'm giving you these examples is when I say that uh, Revelation is, uh, most of the Revelation contains apocalyptic writing. Most of Revelation contains apocalyptic writing. And it is important for us at least to have some knowledge about apocalyptic writing or at least to understand that Revelation contains the apocalyptic writing so that we'll be able to understand the message. <clears throat> now, from 4 Ezra 6.17, When I heard this, I rose to my feet and listened, and behold, your voice was speaking, and its sound was like the sound of many waters. Now, I have underlined the passage that is at least the phrase that is parallel in the book of Revelation. Your voice was speaking and its sound was like the sound of many waters. Something similar to this we find in the book of Revelation. Now when we come to Revelation chapter 14 verse 20, his feet were like bronze, Glowing in a furnace, ours was like the sound of rushing waters. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. We saw earlier in uh, 4 Ezra, a voice was speaking and its sound was like the sound of many waters. And in Revelation 14.20, we come across this phrase, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. I'm just trying to show the similarities between the apocalyptic writing and the book of Revelation. I'll give you a last example. There are many such examples, but I'll give you one more example from the apocalyptic writing. Again, I'll give you from the book from the book of 4 Ezra. 4 Ezra 11, 1, 1 say, 11, 1 says, on the second night I had a dream, and behold, there came up from the sea an eagle that had 12 feathered wings and three heads. There came up from the sea an eagle that had 12 feathered wings and three heads. Can you imagine? An eagle, and it came from the sea, and it had 12 feathered wings and three heads. What does the eagle denote? You can imagine. What does the eagle denote. It had 12 feathered wings and it had three heads. 
Now, it's important for us to understand what, what does the eagle denote. The eagle was a symbol of the Roman Empire. So we can at least conclude this is representing the Roman Empire because the eagle was a symbol of the Roman Empire. Now, it's talking about three heads. Most probably, we can conclude the, the three heads represent the three emperors, Vespasian, Titus, and Domitian. We can conclude. We cannot be sure, but we can reasonably, we can say that these three heads represent the emperors Vespasian, Titus, and Domitian. Now, we are trying to find the similarities between the apocalyptic writing and the book of Revelation. Now, from Ezra 11.1, 1, anything similar in the book of Revelation? On the second night, I had a dream, and behold, that came up from the sea an eagle that had 12 feathered wings and three heads. Any words that comes to your mind or anything you can think of, which you can say it closely resembles this particular verse in the book of Revelation. Now, interestingly, there is a verse in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horn, and on each head a blasphemous name. We are all interested in the beast, and uh, in this particular verse, the beast denotes the Roman Empire. So once we understand the beast in the book of Revelation represents the Roman Empire, it could represent other things also, but in this particular chapter, a beast coming out of the sea, it represents the Roman Empire. Now, there are more such examples. We can always, there are many such examples when reading writings. I just gave you a sample for us to understand how to read the apocalyptic writer, reader writings. So I just gave a few examples. Now, it's important for us to understand these examples because once we, we, we are familiar with the apocalyptic writings, uh, it helps us to recognize. Like I gave you a few examples, it helps us to recognize these symbols denote these things. And it helps us to understand better and when our understanding is better, we are able to interpret the symbols in the book of Revelation in the right way. 
we cannot interpret the symbol the, the, the bible the way we want bible has come to us in a written form and it is important for us to understand and study how to interpret the bible otherwise everyone can give their own interpretation it is important for us to interpret the bible in the right way otherwise we'll allow our traditions to interpret the bible you know jesus clearly said in the in the gospel of matthew you break the command of god to keep up the traditions of men now we cannot interpret the bible keeping our traditions as the base in fact the bible should transform our traditions so it is for us to recognize these symbols not i feel like this i imagine this is what it means that's not the way to read and understand the bible so the symbols are very important things in the uh, in the book of revelation now the primary meaning of the revelation is what what is the primary meaning of revelation it is what john intended it to be it is not what we want this book to mean the primary meaning of the revelation because john is the author of this book he has got something in his mind so what john intended what was the meaning when he wrote when i when we write a letter to somebody we we mean something that's why we write we convey certain things so what john intended it to mean relation and the second aspect is what his readers could have understood it to mean it is not only because the revelation was not written to us when john wrote the revelation he wrote those he wrote to those seven churches so how did the people of those seven churches how did they understand what john wrote so that is the primary meaning of the revelation we should always struggle to find out the primary meaning of the revelation by asking these two questions what john intended it to mean when he says beast what did he have in his mind and the second question we need to ask is how did his readers understand the symbol of beast so by asking these two questions we will be able to come at least to arrive at the primary meaning of the revelation this is our basic principle in studying any book in the bible not only the book of revelation any book in the bible the text cannot mean something that would have been completely incomprehensible to its original audience i want you to note i want all of you to note this down because this principle applies to all the 66 books the text cannot mean something that would have been completely incomprehensible 
to its original audience. And with this basic principle, we should try to Pastor, kindly unmute, Pastor. Uh, let me just repeat it. John had a series of visions, and in the series of visions, he, he heard certain words and saw certain visions. Now, how do we understand the visions? Because J John had certain visions. Now, I'll give you two examples, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament that will give us some guidelines as to how to understand the visions. Otherwise, we will try to interpret the visions the way we want. Now, I'll give you an example from the book of Ezekiel, which is where the vision is very, it's familiar to most of us. It's from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 to 4. Now, this familiar uh, vision, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great bones on the
In Ezekiel 37, it says, They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Uh, now, we are to understand this vision, not that bones actually are really. The way to this account is purely symbolic. Uh, if you prophet's original experience, it basically it pictures revival of the dead nation of Israel, uh, because Israel. You know, ensuring the Israelites uh, that the dispersed Israelites, the dispersed Israelites living as exiles in foreign lands would be reestablished as a nation in their own land. That is the meaning of this vision. Now, this is an example. This is an example I gave you from the Old Testament. Now, I want to give an example from the New Testament. Let's just confine our focus to one book. Now, in the Acts of the Apostles, there are several visionary, visionary experiences. You have in chapter 9, you have in chapter 10, you have in chapter 16, 18, 22, and in 27, even when Paul was caught up in that ship, and the angel of the Lord came next to him and gave a message. So you have several visionary experiences in the Acts of the Apostles. But I want to draw our attention to one particular example, a very uh, familiar example that's known to all of us. This is Peter's experience at the house of Simon, the tanner in Joba. Now, Peter was hungry. Peter was hungry, and that hunger cooperated in producing the vision. It does not mean that if I want to have a vision, I have to become hungry. That does not mean. But in this particular place, 
Peter was hungry and then he had a vision. He was hungry and he's waiting for a meal to be prepared and he fell into a trance. And the Bible says, some large sheep coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. He saw. Then in Acts 10, 12, it says, it contained uh, all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Uh, it's very clear what it says is it contained both food that, that, that was fit and unfit according to the Jewish law and custom. Uh, then there was a heavenly voice telling Peter to slaughter and eat what was provided. And Peter says, I have never, you know, as a, I have never tasted these things. I've never eaten these things. But God, the message says, he heard the message. He says, no longer call this food as unclean. You don't have to restrict yourself to only Jewish food, to kosher food. You can even go to the Gentiles' house and you can eat the food they serve you. That was the message he received. And that's how he goes to a Roman centurion Cornelius. He stayed several days preaching to Gentiles. That's what we find in Acts chapter 10. Now, we are not to think there was literally a sheet various creatures. When we are allowed to imagine, our imagination should be a disciplined imagination. Otherwise, how big the sheet is, how an elephant can come, or how a tiger can come, that's not the uh, purpose of this, purpose of the visions. We should not literally take these symbols. Now, that's what, when we, when we see in the book of Revelation, when we, when we are talking about a vision, now, John saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had 10 horns and seven heads. There is no reason for us to imagine that such a creature actually existed. Maybe it is dinosaurs, or it may be in the earlier days there must have been a beast with ten horns. And no, that's not the purpose of these symbols. But at the same time, we should not undermine these visions because this vision had a profound significance for John. Since it had a profound significance for John, this vision has meaning for us. It is significant even for us. So we have to come to the, to, we have to combine our mental reasoning with emotional response. Uh, it is basically, we have to get into the experience uh, that John had. When he was, when he saw a beast, he was not happy. He was filled with anguish. Uh, when we go, when we come to chapter 13, we can, we can try to understand why he was filled with anguish. And when his readers, when they read this, they were also not happy because they were undergoing persecution in the hands of Romans. So we need to have that emotional response combined with our mental reasoning. We need to participate along with the writer 
the author as well as the readers, then we will be able to understand the significance of this message. These are some preliminary considerations. Now, quickly, we will see John's symbolic language. <clears throat> now, in reporting his visions, John frequently uh, uses symbols. And sometimes he explains the meaning of the symbols. Now, few symbols really need no explanation. For example, the number seven. We come across this number seven at several places in the book of Revelation. Now, all of us know there are seven days in a week. Then another week begins. So when the seven days passes, that means we have completed one week. So seven means completion or perfection. So whenever we come across the word seven, it denotes perfection, it denotes completion. Now, there are other symbols in the book of Revelation and we can understand only in the light of symbolism used in the Hebrew scriptures. That means in the Old Testament, especially from the uh, books of Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah. You find symbols in these three books, and from those books, we can try to understand the meaning of the symbols. Now, John's knowledge of Old Testament was extraordinary. He has meditated on these books very carefully and intently. He has pondered over the Old Testament very minutely. How do we say that? By reading the book of Revelation, how can we come to that conclusion? John was well-versed with the Old Testament. The reason why we say that John was well-versed is of the 404 verses that comprise the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation, 278 verses contain one or more references to an Old Testament passage. 278. It's more, it's almost 70%. It is the 70% of his book contains one or more references to an Old Testament passage. So it is important for us to have a good grasp of the Old Testament. Nowadays, people, they say we had a vision about the revelation, the end times. And if you ask them, have you read, have you gone through the Old Testament? They have no idea about the Old Testament. So whatever they feel like, they communicate it to us. So we need to be careful that out of 404 verses, 278, it's not a small number. So John has pondered over the Old Testament carefully. He had a good knowledge. So when John is using the symbols, we have to, we should try to understand 
how he is using the symbols, how he is using the symbols from the Old Testament to explain to us in the, in the book of Revelation. So without understanding his use, we will not be able to understand the Old Testament, the, revelate, the message of the Revelation. Now, some of the symbols, they seem very strange to us. Now, in, Re in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, it says, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Now, here the beast represents the Roman Empire. And it was, it, was, it was not a good thing. It was horrible because the persecution they were undergoing was not easy. And the, the John, John knew that as well as his readers. <clears throat> now, these kind of symbols are not peculiar in apocalyptic we need to be we need to understand this now let me give you the present day examples now even in the present day now each country has a symbol now they have animals has symbol. they have several symbols now for india we have the indian lion now the british they have the british lion now for the russian they have the russian bear and the american they have the eagle now if somebody wants to you know, write a letter without naming the country they can use one of the symbols the appropriate symbols so that's what john was doing in the book of revelation so when we are reading about uh, these symbols we should be very clear that descriptions are only descriptions of symbols <clears throat> the beast i saw resembled a leopard but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion so they're only description of symbols and not of reality conveyed by the symbols the reality is different from the description from the symbol so we need to keep this in mind uh, i think for today it's enough if you have any questions you can unmute yourself and you can ask questions and then uh, we will try to answer today or maybe uh, next week we yeah. have If any one of you have any questions, you can unmute and you can ask. So can you turn on the video? It's there, Auntie. No questions? Uh, was it clear?
Very able to. Hello, Pastor. Yes, yes, Pastor. Ah, so I just wanted to know where exactly is this four Ezra being present? We were discussing about that uh, eagle and three heads. Yeah, these I I have given you the reference. That you are talking about from I have told you about the um, apocalyptic writings. Correct. Yeah, that's so, from one of the apocalyptic writings. Okay, it's not part of the sixty-six books in the Bible, right? It's not, not, not at all. Uh, the apocalyptic okay, okay. writings came from two hundred BC to two hundred AD. Uh huh. It's not part of our sixty-six books. All right, all right, yeah. Okay. Okay. No more questions? Okay. Uh, we will read this as a, a prayer. And we will close the session for today. And look forward to seeing you all uh, next uh, next Wednesday, the ID and the password will remain the same. So we'll not be sending a link. Uh, every Wednesday, we will not be sending a link. Uh, it'll be the same ID and password. If you want to invite your friends, uh, you're most welcome uh, to invite your friends. You can pass on the link uh, to them. Shall we? read these verses as a closing prayer before I say the benediction. This is found in Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. We all can read it together as a, as a closing prayer. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just, Just and true are your ways. King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ